Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. I'm not going to get in my feelings about him getting in his feelings. If you're going to be bad without him, you can be bad with him to try to find the right situation for you. James Harden is not answering the phone for you. Of course you're going to give him his space. It's almost like Fred Flintstone eating a chicken leg now. If I'm Silas, the first thing I'm going to do is call Harden and say, hey man, let me hear your side of this. Where are you at with this? Harden ain't and taking you, his calls, man. Well, I mean, you, you got to beat him at the club or something. <laughs> Catch that turkey leg up, but you got to find him somewhere. Oh, he's at the strip club tonight. He didn't report, so we better get him out of here. Nah, that's not how that's going to go. You remember Lil Lamont? I hate to be the dude to do this, but I got to be the dude to do this. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, and once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh, mama, there goes that man. You know, ladies and gentlemen, the star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you have joined us again. And if this is your first time, Welcome aboard, and we uh, are glad that you are here, and we hope that you stay, and we hope that you go and listen to past episodes and become a part of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade community. Now, a couple things I want to remind all of you of is that you can go to the WadesWordProductions.com website. That's WadesWordProductions.com and uh, peruse the site and listen to past episodes and get involved that way. And you can get involved by subscribing to the email list and you can get emails from us periodically about what we have going on, what we have coming up, and how you can maybe get some gear or some fun stuff like that. So that's WadesWordProductions.com. Also, we have a 24-hour-a-day sports line. The sports line is 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. And you can leave a message 24 hours a day. If it was a question, a comment, a request, uh, seeking some information, whatever it is, just hit us up, and you may be on the very next podcast. If you want to check us out on social media, that's easy too. On Twitter at Wade's Word, that's W A D E S W O R D, that's Wade's Word, at Wade's Word on Twitter, and the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group on Facebook. So those are all of the ways to be interactive. The group is really, really fun, and a lot of informative and interesting stuff appears on the page all the time. So you definitely want to check that out. Also want to let you know that this time out, we have a fun, fun show. We uh, have our usual segments. We have the headlines. We have a Why We Kneel with Kalina. We have a Lamont Award. And I may or may not get on my soapbox and a whole lot more. But more importantly, we have a couple of very important guests. Going to play a conversation I had with Texas Southern University head basketball coach Johnny Jones. The Tigers doing their thing on the basketball court, and we're going to talk to him and get his thoughts on his team so far through 2020-2021. And we'll run down some things with that. So that should be a whole lot of fun for you guys. And then we will have from our special teams unit, our guy Terrence Harris. We call him King T around these parts. So he has a lot to talk about, especially he's Cleveland Browns, I would assume. So all that's coming up and a whole lot more. So let's get right into to it with some headlines in headlines the houston rockets preseason got underway and james harden is still a few days away under covid protocol before he can practice with the team he had to have six consecutive negative tests six consecutive negative tests to participate with the team. He did not last night, though. John Wall had 13 points, nine assists, and a a win, a nice win over a Chicago Bulls team. That's not very good, but it doesn't matter. It's preseason. You suited up. You look good, and that was good. So all of the NBA is starting to get underway here, and we'll have to see what happens. It feels like maybe there's a degree of normalcy about to uh, hit the Rockets. Let's see. 
Let's see. But it's good to see Coach Steven Silas get off to a win in his debut as a coach, uh, as a head coach in the NBA. So that's that was fun for him, and it's good. I mean, it's meaningless in the grand scheme of things. But, again, 13 points, 9 rebounds, yes, that's fun. I mean, cool, cool. Uh, you know, the only thing that he could have done to mess it up, really, honestly, would have been to have gotten hurt. No injuries, look good, cool. Maybe, you know, his tone has sort of changed in how he talks about James Harden. He's like, hey, he he's going to do what – at first he was like, oh, yeah, I talked to him. He's all in. We, we're good. We're going to roll with this thing. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Uh, but he's dialed that back a little bit. <laughs> he's dialed that back a whole lot. And he basically said, hey, man, he's going to do what's best for him, whatever that looks like. And that's about all you can say. And let's see if James Harden kind of can – somebody can get in his ear – to kind of get his mind right as we head into a an abbreviated season that starts next week. <laughs> next week, NBA is underway again. And uh, with that in mind, Paul George got a monster extension. You know, I don't begrudge anybody for getting paid. They can't pay them any more than they have. So whatever the players get, they get. But it's hard to say he is the guy worthy of that kind of max contract. Whatever. I mean, this dude, did they watch the playoffs? <laughs> did they see what we saw? But nonetheless, I guess you have to have a star. Maybe that I don't, I don't, I man, I don't understand that move at all. Other than I guess he's locked down. I gave, they gave up a lot for him and now he's locked in as a clipper. And maybe now that he's not in the bubble and his head is clear, he can play better basketball uh, in the NFL. What has happened to Cam Newton? Cam Newton, what has happened to you? He struggled mightily. And it's not that he struggled against the Los Angeles Rams defensive front. Those guys are awesome. It's just that he seems to be really, really inept at throwing the football. And I know, I understand that he does not have the talent at the skill positions to help him out. But, man, he just looked awful the other night. And it's uh, you're starting to wonder. And Belichick... Uh, came out and said, hey, Cam is our guy. He He's still our guy. He'll be their guy for about four more weeks. They're going to have to get some things turned around in a major way if they hope to sniff the playoffs. And, and that's looking more and more like a long shot. They they scored and beat the Chargers the previous week, 45 nothing, And then you come out Thursday, and it just you just didn't even look. You looked. You looked like the Dallas Cowboys or the Jacksonville Jaguars on offense. He just seems to be suffering through sort of a massive drop-off. And I know that he's been beaten up a whole lot. And he didn't get calls that other quarterbacks got because he's so big. And he just took a beating for a lot of years. And maybe that's just taking his toll. I don't know. He's a tough case because sometimes you really, really root for Cam. And other times it, through his career, he's made really awful mistakes. Uh, but lately I've been on his side and defending him quite a bit. Let's see if he can get it turned around and get that team turned around so they can make it run at the playoffs because this is a big week when you look around the league. A couple of big AFC games, Cleveland versus Baltimore. And Terrence Harris and I will talk about that a little bit later on. The other one is Buffalo versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers coming off a loss. I don't, you know, they were bound to lose. I mean, nobody, that's not the kind of team that's going to go undefeated. It's just that it's very interesting around the NFL because everybody has flaws. You can make a case for about 10 teams. And then for those very same 10 teams, you can point out some significant flaws that can hold them back. You look at Pittsburgh, they can't always stay healthy. They're running back with James Conner. They can't always run the football. So that's an issue. The receivers can be a little bit inconsistent as well. You look at a team like Seattle. Can't stay healthy. They're running back. They can't run the football. Their defense is up and down, questionable, although they seem to be improving. You look at, well, Kansas City is just head and shoulders. It's just that this is what they do that other teams, great teams, don't do or haven't done. They seem to just do enough to win. It seems effortless with Pat Mahomes. It really does. It seems like whenever they need to turn up through the course of a game, they can't. It's almost, I'm telling you, there's so many parallels to them and the Golden State Warriors when they were rolling. It just seems so easy for them. But aside from them, Tampa Bay, is Tom Brady the quarterback? Can he get it done? 
Anybody else in the NFC, in the NFC East? No. Green Bay, they have flaws defensively. Santana Dotson was on the show a few podcasts ago talking about their defensive liabilities. You look at anybody in the NFC West, Arizona is done. Seattle, like I said, the Rams, Jerry Goff can be inconsistent. He can get a lack of production from receivers who I, I love those receivers, Cup and Woods and Higby. And Everett at tight end. Everett and Higby at tight end. And Reynolds. I really like the team. I mean, and then Cam Akers had a monster game the other night. But he, him along with Brown and Henderson, they have a trio of running backs. But is golf the guy? Because, again, that's a team I like to root for. And then they'll do something, and they just look really, really pedestrian. If you look at New Orleans Saints, well, let's see what happens when Drew Brees comes back. But the team that you should all applaud, the Minnesota Vikings. One and five starting out at six and six, should have beat Dallas. And they are in the driver's seat moving forward to try to make a run at the NFL playoffs. So we'll get into that as I tell you a little bit later on who is going to have a good day. But right now, let's get into a segment. Uh, This is our way of pushing forward the dialogue around the social changes that need to take place in our society because we remember and recognize those who have been victims of racial and police injustice. And this is something that our very own Kalina came up with and has created. And we run this on the Thursday or the second show of the week. This is a segment called Why We Kneel. Feeling the chilling moments that led to a police officer wow. shooting now. me. Ultimately, wow. it's to bring Please, awareness and make people. Colin Kaepernick kneeling to protest it's social injustice and police. Get, get unsigned by any NFL team. He's fired. He's fired. Why We Kneel. On February 24th of 2020, in Satilla Shores, Georgia, George McMichael, a former county police officer and investigator with the local DA office, saw Ahmad Aubrey running down a street. He claims Aubrey fit the description of a black man who had burglarized their neighborhood. He called for his son, Travis McMichael, and the two followed Aubrey in their pickup truck through their neighborhood. They were armed with a 357 Magnum and a shotgun. William Bryan was standing in his yard when he saw Aubrey, someone he didn't recognize, and a vehicle chasing him. He followed the McMichaels and recorded the incident. The video shows Aubrey running and the McMichaels pickup truck cutting him off. The McMichaels yelled at Aubrey to stop, and Travis exited the truck with his shotgun. Aubrey attempted to go around the truck. What happened next is unclear, as the video was blocked. When the three men were back in view, a struggle can be seen between Aubrey and one of the McMichaels. Aubrey was then shot three times. He attempted to get away, but collapsed, and Aubrey died at the scene. The video came to light on May 5th and went viral. Two days later, the McMichaels were arrested. Brian was arrested on May 21st, charged with felony murder and attempt to commit false imprisonment. On June 24th, a grand jury indicted all three defendants, each on nine counts of malice murder, four counts of felony murder, two counts of aggravated assault, false imprisonment, and criminal attempt to commit false imprisonment. Aubrey was a runner, and he was 25 years old. Ahmad Aubrey is why we kneel. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. want to thank Kalina for the Why We Kneel segment. We have something fun coming up from her in a few weeks. We're going to start something new with her as we wrap up the Why We Kneel segment because we usually have run that during the NFL season because of Colin Kaepernick. And you'll have to go back to past episodes to, to really kind of understand uh, the origins. But it's not hard. You get it. You guys get it. Uh, right now, I want to shift gears and talk a little bit of college basketball. Had an opportunity on KTSU Sports Talk recently to catch up with head coach for the Texas Southern Tiger basketball team, 
Johnny Jones, head coach Johnny Jones, and we had an opportunity to talk about the Tigers uh, off to a one and three start last night. They had an opportunity to play. They he t- alluded to this a little bit in the conversation, but trying to find some, in this COVID uh, with the backdrop of COVID, uh, trying to find a game to fill in a void in your schedule because of cancellations and postponements and all the things related to to COVID nineteen. So, uh, with that in mind, here's our conversation with Texas Southern head basketball coach, Coach Johnny Jones, from a recent conversation on KTSU Sports Talk. Head coach of the Texas Southern Tigers, Coach Johnny Jones. How are you this morning, Coach? I'm doing great. Yourself, can you hear me okay? We can hear you just fine. You're coming in through, uh, coming through loud and clear. We certainly appreciate you taking up time. Well, it's uh, been a crazy 2020, and your season is underway. Uh, before we get into the nuts and bolts of the season, how uh, difficult has 2020 been for you as it pertains to getting all of the the business of Texas Southern basketball done when it comes to recruiting, logistics, making sure the kids are safe and healthy? How difficult has this year been for you? I tell you, it's, uh, it's been extremely difficult because there's uh, not a blueprint out there. Generally, uh, most of the things we're going through or you start the season or something, there's a book that you can kind of go to and, and follow because it's been done before. But this has been totally new, and it's um, uh, been extremely tough. But the good thing is we've had a, a great administration and a conference office if uh, certainly – through the uh, process of uh, trying to get everything done and in place and and uh, trying to lead us and guide us. And our kids have done a tremendous job as well because they want to have a season. And that was one of the biggest things that I had to try to lay out to them, the importance of them taking care of their business, doing what they're supposed to on their end. So if there was to be a season uh, that we could uh, definitely play it because of them been disciplined and, and so we've had two kids uh that test positive um throughout the process and this was back in july uh, before we even started practice in october and uh, when i look around the country and see what's happening in these other schools uh i just applaud our guys and our administration how we've gone about our business uh to have a chance to be out there on the floor and before we get into uh, this season, which is well underway, I want to talk a little bit about the ending of last season and how difficult it was because uh, that was as wide open a swag tournament uh, as I have uh, that I remember in a while. And, but the team was it seemed to be headed in the right direction. How do you feel about uh, what would have transpired in the swag tournament and in the end of the season last uh, last season that came to an abrupt end because of COVID? Well, we thought we were um, playing the way that we needed to play at the right time. We wind up setting a starting point guard the last uh, two regular season games uh, because he had an injury, and uh, we knew that we would need him uh, for conference uh, tournament play. And when uh, he came back, I thought we were at our best. We played without our starting uh, uh, postman in uh, one of those last two games, and uh, we felt like we were gelling, playing well, and we wind up beating uh, Gramlin uh, in the uh, first uh, conference uh, tournament game. And then uh, we were looking forward to going to Birmingham and competing. And, and then as a unit, we felt like we were at our best playing, our best basketball at the right time. And unfortunately, it was probably the toughest thing I've had to do as a coach, especially season ending, uh, talking to these guys in a setting in a hotel uh, the day before we were to play um, the semifinal game and break the news to them that uh, the season was over. And when you're talking to a group of guys that that it's out of their control, you're talking to some seniors in that room who played their last game, and uh, they certainly was looking forward to uh, trying to play in the NCAA tournament. It was extremely difficult and emotional. Uh, but uh, we're fortunate that we were able to make it through and at least get to this season. And uh, with the guys that were returning, uh, with the eagerness and remembrance of what transpired in that uh, meeting that day. 
Well, Coach, I want to ask you, you're 1-3 on the season. You had the huge comeback against Wyoming in Laramie, and then last time out against the Gales, you got out to a great start, 15-2 start. Uh, the uh, Gales got hot in the second half from the perimeter. But talk a little bit about what's transpired so far. You had uh, Washington State, uh, Oklahoma State, Wyoming, and St. Mary's. Uh, what have you seen in the first four games of the season? I really like this team. I'm really excited about this group of guys that we have. I think they're unique in a sense that um, they're really uh, excited about being on the floor. They're very knowledgeable guys. I'd like to use the term that they're some basketball IQ guys as well. They think it. Uh, they try to study it prior to playing. They want to know their opponents. And we're just not out there, you know, getting up and down the floor. And, and I think this team has potential to be a very explosive offensive team. And I certainly believe that we've got the potential to be one of the better defensive teams that I've had uh, because of the size, strength, and length uh, that we have on this team. So uh, to start the season and been here at Washington State, I thought our guys played extremely hard, didn't shoot it as well, but defended well. And unfortunately, they were able to march to the foul line 31 times, and we were only able to uh, get 13 free throws in that game. I thought it was a decisive difference uh, in us winning or losing uh, that basketball game. But lesson learned, because it's still uh, we still had opportunities to win the game, even with the uh, free throw uh, difference in, in, in that game. Uh, but I thought uh, even at St. Mary's the other night, a place rich in tradition, uh, guys have done a tremendous job, and I guess if it wasn't for Gonzaga, they would be the Gonzaga uh, of the West because they're in the same league, and it's generally one and two in that league. Uh, so uh, guys got off to a great start, played extremely hard, but when you plan a team like that, that have some experience. They wind up um, knocking down some huge shots at home and uh, coming back, but I thought our guys continued to battle and fight and gave us reason. It was our actually our best offensive outing because we shot over 50% from the field, shot it well from the three-point line. Unfortunately, defensively, we weren't as in tune as we needed to be uh, because those guys knocked down 18 three-pointers, and that's a part of their strength, and that's something that we needed to take away from them. In watching that game, you got off to the, the great start. Like I said, 15-2 run, I think 11-0 to start. Weathers, Michael Weathers did a, a tremendous job. I mean, just really, you have a tremendously athletic team. You guys seem to be able to get to the to the uh, rim whenever you want to. You move towards the basket really well. Talk a little bit about the athleticism of this team and a guy like uh, Weathers, who, was had, who had a tremendous uh, first half the other night. He's really a special talent, and uh, he's a young man, I thought, did an exceptional job even in the uh, Wyoming game. And, and when you plan and you have a group of new guys like we have right now, they're still trying to fill each other out. Unfortunately, because of the COVID-19, we didn't have the luxury of playing the uh, two exhibition games or scrimmages that we normally would against other Division One programs for these guys to try to gel. So our gelling has been really on the floor in live games against uh, good competition. And uh, for Weathers, trying to get to know his teammates, them knowing him, uh, these guys picking up our offense uh, like they have, and his ability to attack the rim like he has in, in the games and, and executing our offense has been remarkable. And it's early in the season, and that's what gives me hope and excitement uh, because of the fact that where these guys are this early in the season, only four games in, and making the plays that they're making on the offensive end, uh, in connecting with each other. And, and I think we'll be able to do the same thing as we continue to grow on the defensive end of the floor. But uh, I can just say Weathers is a special player, and we think we've done a good job of putting some guys around him uh, that have unique talent uh, that give us reason to believe that any given night that any of these guys can go for big games. Uh, talk about some of the other guys surrounding him. You talk about uh, some of the, the key players you'll be counting on. Tell us a little bit about some of the guys that you think will step up big and, and you'll be dependent on for success uh, in the 2021 season. Well, I tell you, I think we have a tremendous group of guys. Uh, you know, yeah, who's Rossius, who uh, started for us last year, practically every game, uh, didn't play. He wasn't with us the other night. He had to come back and, and uh, get some things taken care of magically. Uh, here in Houston, 
so he wasn't with us in the St. Mary's game. Uh, but he's he's certainly a force. He's only started maybe a game for us uh, this year. Uh, he's a pre-conference uh, first-team All-American guy, and we think he's got the potential to have a, a really uh, special year for us. Carl Nichols uh, transferred from Stephen F. Austin, a great uh, energy guy. He brings a lot of energy to our team and, and is continuing to learn what we're trying to get done, but he plays extremely hard on both ends of the floor. And he's really impacted our team as well. But Galen Alexander is a young man that I signed my last year at LSU. Uh, he actually left LSU and went to Georgetown. Uh, he's back here with us. He's about 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, and he's capable of playing inside, outside. And he's done. Uh, he's really gotten off to a great start for us, uh, this early part of the uh, season. So, uh and then John Walker, a kid who transferred back from uh, Texas A&M, who was a Houston native. Uh, John was hurt most of last year. And uh, I tell you, he's been exceptional for us. He's 6'10", uh, can play on the perimeter inside. Uh, he's a matchup nightmare for a lot of the teams we've played. Uh, made some big plays in the, um, the Wyoming game uh, right before Galen Alexander got the offensive rebound put back to win that game for us. So, I, I think we've got a really good core of guys, a good nucleus of guys, and I just mentioned a few. We've, we've got some guys that I think that can do a lot of things this year that gives us a reason to be excited as a team. Well, Coach, uh, I want to ask you before we let you get out of here, you have a, a brief uh, break here before you get underway against Auburn on the 15th. How do you use this time, and, and how different is this from uh, past seasons so far? Because everything seems to be so fluid all of the time. Talk a little bit about how you're using this time and, and what to uh, look forward to. Well, we just came off of a 10-day trip. We were gone 10 straight days, so. Uh, as a coach, I try to uh, not remove myself uh, so much from playing days and my thoughts about how these kids could be thinking. So <clears throat> out there 10 days and playing those four games, we got yesterday back yesterday about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So I'm going to give them the next day off, next day or two off, and let them gather their legs and their mind and their bodies right. And then we'll get back at it starting on Monday. I'm sure some of them will be in the gym on Sunday. Uh, getting some shots up and shooting, but uh, we won't, will not uh, practice. Uh, I tell you, and you're exactly right. It's a little bit different from this year than in the past because you still have teams, say, even this week, we're still trying to find maybe a Division two or NIAI program that we can um, possibly play at home this week if we can get that worked out uh, because of uh the games being canceled throughout the season. We can still play up to 27 games, and so we're at 26 right now. And if we can add this in the additional game, it would be great for us, and we don't know if it's going to happen or not. Uh, but if not, we'll be looking forward to uh, going to Auburn next week, in which will be another tough challenge for us against a very good SEC basketball team. Hey, well, Coach, we certainly appreciate it, and we look forward to visiting with you before conference play. Uh, a tough job, uh, maybe. Is this your toughest uh, coaching job uh, to date because of all of the extenuating circumstances? <clears throat> it's difficult, and, again, it's not the norm of what you go through and what you expect. And, you know, it's kind of disheartening. It's really tough. You get to the airports and, you see everybody with a mask on, and these guys have to be protected. We have to try to isolate them as much as uh, we have to in the hotel. We can't get to the restaurants and go eat. Everything has to be brought into the hotel. Uh, it, it, it's extremely difficult. The travel is tough. Uh, the practice, the setups, no fans being uh, able to come to the games. So it's, it's really different. So I would say it's probably the most difficult because of the circumstances that we've been presented with because of this COVID-19. Well, Coach, we'll uh, keep abreast of everything that's going on, and and hopefully we can visit with you prior to conference play uh, just after the new year. Absolutely, anytime. I certainly appreciate you having me on and look forward to talking with you soon. Hey, thanks a lot, Coach.
Head coach Johnny Jones of the Texas Southern Tigers. Certainly appreciate him taking time out, and I'm sure that uh, we'll converse with him in the near future. Speaking of that game last night, a 103-60 win over a Laterno University Yellow Jackets team. I don't know if they're Division Two or NAIA, not sure, uh, but that was something that uh, Coach Jones uh, thought was important to get the work in before they face the Auburn Tigers next week. And uh, last night, John Walker III, 35 points in what was probably a really easy night of basketball, but you can't simulate game conditions in practice and so uh, a nice opportunity for the Tigers to get some work in uh, during a, what would have been a, a, a hiatus so with that going to take a time out come back on the other side we have our conversation with King T Terrence Harris and we have Alamon Award but first let's hear from our sponsor Cobank Holmes and our resident DJ DJ Anarchy this is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast anywhere you get your podcast Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. Cobank Homes through Keller Williams. DJ Anarchy on the mix, and he uh, you can find him on SoundCloud and on Instagram. DJ Anarchy in around town, the city of Houston. He does his thing, and uh, he's growing. His following is growing. I know it was sort of impeded and uh, sort of interrupted by COVID, but still he's finding a way to press forward and do his thing. With that, it's time to get into our conversation with our guy, Terrence Harris, from the Houston Defender, he's written for major publications all over the country. He is uh, he's a veteran writer, and he knows his stuff. And uh, let's get his take on a number of things. Here is our conversation with King T. King T is back again for the new topic. Oh, God, King T is back on board. We certainly appreciate having you. How are you this afternoon? Yo, man, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How you doing, brother? Great. It's been crazy. And I talked about you <laughs> one of the last episodes because when the idea of the Russell Westbrook for John Wall trade came up, both of us was like, there's no way in hell we make that trade. <laughs> and yet, right. and yet, they went ahead and went with it. Give me your thoughts on, on the trade itself, and then I'll get your thoughts on the Steven Silas situation. I still think that the, the, the wall trade is not a smart move. I mean, because you're talking about a player who hasn't been on the on the floor for almost two years now. And so you, you're taking a guy like him who has a lot of risk. You know, you, you sent away a guy who, I mean, you know, still has a lot of upside. I don't know that that was the best deal out there for the Rockets, but they made it. And I think, you know, they were under some pressure to make that one. And I think it had more to do with perhaps, I mean, there, there was some, some real truth to the angst or the, the, the issues between Harden and, and Westbrook and knowing that, you know, that they, they've hitched their wagon to to Harden 
that they had to go ahead and move Westbrook. They couldn't ask them to continue to be a team together because clearly it had been proven that they can't play together and they, you know, and it, it wasn't working. So you but think they, this was a move to sort of appease Harden and try to please oh, I, him yeah, and, and make him feel okay? I think everything that the, that the, the Rockets have done in, in the last few weeks, let's, let's be clear about this, has, has been to please this guy and appease him, you know, to let him know that, hey, you know, we – we want to put a good team around you that you can win with. And they think that, you know, John Wall can be a good piece. I mean, but I think once again, you have a guy who needs, to, who who's used to having the ball in his hand and needs to have the ball in his hand, like Harden. And they're saying, well, you know, and, and I think Silas and them are making a huge mistake. Giving him a chance to be off ball is going to give him more opportunities to create. That's not what he is. I mean, he's kind of like, like LeBron James in the sense that he needs to have the ball in his hands too. That's how he works and creates the best. So once again, you, you, you got a situation now where you have two point guards on the floor again, and I'm not sure, you know, if John Wall can defend a lot of twos. I mean, you know, you, you just got some, you got some issues here. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how they try to defend. I do think that John Wall will have the ball more, and it'll be. Interesting to see, again, like early in his career in Oklahoma City, yeah, Harden was able to play without the ball, but he clearly has established himself as an alpha male in this league, and he wants the basketball. That's why I don't know what he thinks he's going to find. And that's what's so frustrating about this situation, too, with him, because, man, we've given you the keys to the city, man. This is your car. You know what I mean? You're talking about about a guy who I think is really trying to ruin his own career. And I think it's him. I mean, I mean, this what he's doing, what he's going through, makes absolutely no sense. I mean, and how he how he's handled it. I, I love to know who's been giving him advice. This has just been the most clumsy and just ill-advised way to handle your situation I've ever ever seen, or from a from an elite player like him. I mean, you know, this is you know, you've put the Rockets in a situation where you know, in a nowhere kind of situation. I think because they can't move him. Let's just be real. I mean, like, we keep hearing all of these conversations on TV about he might go to Milwaukee, he might go to 76ers, he might go to – who else has it been? I mean, the, the – uh, 76ers, the, Nets. The Nets. Uh, uh, there was a new one today. Um, but the Heat. Yeah, the, the Heat, Heat Miami Milwaukee. Heat. Yeah, that's right. And, that, and none of this stuff makes sense, bro. The reason that, that, that this, the deal with the Sixers ain't going to ever get done is because guess what? The Sixers are not sending either one of their two young stars who they got locked up. For the next five years, they're not sending them away for James Harden, who's only who's only locked up for for two years. And now, and then, if you do trade him for Ben Simmons, now you look, have two guys that really are not good shooters. I don't think people are thinking about how you win with that. If you have a John Wall who can't shoot from the perimeter, and you have a, a Ben Simmons who can't shoot, like or Embiid. Now you got cousins. You don't need a Embiid. Embiid, although you're only going to have cousins for a year, and we don't know how healthy he is. But yeah, and, and if you don't, I mean, and, and trust me, if you if it's a decision right now about Embiid or, or, or Cousins, Cousins got to go. I mean, well, I think yeah, everybody, obviously. Yeah, yeah, everybody I, would understand that. I mean, so yeah, he he's not really a factor so much. I mean, now, now the, the the Wood kid who they've invested in, I think he's the he would be the issue because they've invested in him and they've invested a lot of money in a player who really only had nine really good games, and they and they're paying him a lot of money for nine really. When you wrap your mind around. The fact that Christian Wood has only had nine really good games, and that's it. And you paid him this kind of money, but you know, so that's the guy that could be a problem trying to move. Or do you, you keep him as a very expensive backup? Like I said, more of them, I think, have, have they, they let him know, look, you move around because we're not trading either one of these guys for Harden. There's and, and, no market for Harden right now, dude. Do I mean, you think he is bothered by the criticism that no one wants to play with him? He should be. <laughs> he should be because nobody, no, he, they have not, like, these guys have done everything they could to make this work, and it doesn't work. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, when history judges James Harden, you know what he's going to end up being. He's going to be a guy who was a prolific scorer, but probably was really just ever, like, let's wrap our minds around this. Maybe he really was just a great six six man type guy. He's not a guy that you can build your franchise around. He just isn't. He's too difficult. He's too needy. Probably too aloof and everything else. I mean, it doesn't work. Yeah, and mine. This is my question to you, and, and I ask myself this all the time: Why are 
the Rockets through a couple different owners now and a couple GMs now. Why are they so married to this guy? Now you're stuck with him at this point now. But I'm saying even in the past when you had opportunities, you doubled down. And even before this season, you tried to give him a $100 million extension. Now, this season aside, we all understand that like, Daryl Morey, one of, one of the most dangerous things about Daryl Morey is once he fell in love with you, he fell in love with you. Like, he he really, I mean, we all remember the sick fascination he had with uh, with Dwight Howard. I mean, and, and how many times he tried to get that kid and how many different ways he tried to get that kid before he finally got him. It took him a few years to get him, and it just didn't work. But Daryl, I think with with him, he just fell in love with him. And you got to understand that Raphael Stone and all those guys, they were in the same room. So it wasn't like they're brand new coming in off the street. These guys were in the same room, you know, listening to the same love music, okay? <laughs> listening to the same love song. So I, I get it. I mean, and, and, and he is your – what you need in the NBA is you need a bankable star. And right now, today, Harden is still that guy. He's that guy that's going to put butts in the seat make your franchise interesting. And what I think the Rockets are rightfully concerned about is, hey, if we give him up, who's our guy? Yeah, you can't bank on a John Wall that's coming off of <laughs> no, all of those surgeries. Yeah, yeah. yeah, none of these guys. This would just be a lost year. And well, you know, a lost couple if, of years, too, probably, when you look at it. So yeah, I, I want to I mean, ask you about, and, and I said this, I'm rooting for his success. I really am. But I did not think a first time head coach should be the coach of this team at this point because of Westbrook and Harden. And now you see, to me, it's sort of been validated in how he's fit into this whole drama with James Harden. What are your thoughts on on Steven Silas? You know something? I'm going to give Silas a pass. I think that this brother is ready, man. I mean, here's a guy, like we just got off the phone talking with him uh, uh, off, his, off a Zoom call talking with him a couple minutes ago. And, you know, and one of the things you have to realize about this guy is his, his pedigree is tight. I mean, this is a kid who's been around the NBA game since he before he was born. He was born into this. His daddy played in the league. His daddy coached in the league. You know, and he spent the last 20 years working as an assistant coach and not being given anything. I mean, this man is 48 years old getting his first opportunity. And, and, he, and, and he, look, and, and I'm not saying. Right. So and I'm not saying. Think, and, here's, here's what I'm saying. So, and, and I cite sort of some of the, his comments. He just looks like, oh, maybe James Harden to come in. Or yesterday I said hello, and I'm going to give him space. And not that those, I mean, look, he's powerless in the situation, obviously, because Harden has all the power in the situation. But it's just like, it just feels like Harden has no kind of respect. He hadn't reached out to him. He hadn't really conversed with him. He hadn't said anything. And I know this is about more than him, but still, you're like he doesn't go into any respect. And I don't, I don't know how Harden comes in and really gets coached by this guy. Well, here's the thing. I think I'm gonna have to disagree with you. I think the Rockets have all of the, the power in this situation because guess what? Harden still has two years on his deal. That's why they ain't got to do nothing but say, shut up and play. You know, and I think that Steven, what he's doing is he's made the conscious decision. I'm not getting in the middle of this because it's not about me. Yeah, and I agree with you. It's not about him. And I I don't think it's about him. I think that this could have been any coach aside. This is why now we understand why John Lucas's name came up as a a candidate, right? Because that was the only guy whose name wasn't uh, uh d'antoni that harden was really willing to to play for was was john lucas which is ridiculous i mean you know john ain't coached in how many years in this league it's been 20 years probably almost 20 years since he's been a head coach right and he's and, but you know you, you but his pedigree is, is is fantastic but once again i don't know i just think whoever the coach was this guy is just not He's not good. He's proven he can't get it done. To me, this the onus is on, on Harden to make this work. Because he has to prove that he can come in and be a good soldier and a good leader on this team. You know, and, and I, so I think it's on him. I like Stephen Sides, and I feel bad for the young brother. I do, too. Because, I, I, I really because do. Because I think he's been put in a, in a tough spot. I wish, I sometimes you wish that they had given this job to, to Van Gundy or somebody like that to let them flounder. You know, but because it's gonna be a bad job for a minute. It, it could gonna, be. It, it could be. And, and let me, that it, leads it, me to my next question. 
how do you see this thing playing out ho- over the next couple of months here, or even the next couple of weeks? Because it's kind of a, a volatile situation. Obviously, he has to pass five more COVID tests to get on the practice court. Um, how do you see this thing going over the next couple of weeks and yeah. couple of months? Unless Silas is really putting on a front for us, right? I think he's a good guy. And I think him not pushing, not, you know, not trying to wedge his way in, and you know, in with this guy kind of just letting the relationship evolve as it's supposed to and as it will. I think eventually he will gain this guy's trust. I think it's, it's going to be hard. It's, I think it's hard not to like this guy. So you, you know, think, uh, and, 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 and keep in mind. Keep in mind, now one of the most interesting things I, I've heard this week is that Silas said this. He said, look, I owe this opportunity I got to coach this team to Russell Westbrook. He vouched for me. Right. But then he, but, but then he, but he, did, he turned around and turned his back on him. And I say that to say this guy's a good dude. You have It's hard not to like him. So I think that Harden will respect him. And the fact that Lucas is on that staff will also help that because he has a heck of a lot of respect for Luke. So I think, you know, when when Lucas gets in his ear and apparently Lucas is already he's doing his individual workouts right now. So he's conducting uh, hard individual workouts. So and I think there's a reason for that to kind of, you know, get this buffered out so that you don't don't take this out on this guy. Don't take this out on this brother. This ain't his fault. And, and I, the best and thing you can do is, yeah, is yeah. come in here and be professional and, and, and play ball, put your head down to play ball. And hopefully then. There might become a trade market for you for you at some point, but right now ain't no trade market. So guess what? You're gonna play for the Rockets at least at the beginning of the season. Deal with it. My whole thing is, you know, the fairy tale ending is begrudgingly Harden comes in, and now they have a you know he sees what's going on. Maybe he sees the game in a slightly different way that maybe uh, will appeal to him, and and we can have a kumbaya moment, and everybody come together, and then have a a run, a, a run at the season. And obviously, you know, in the West, it's going to be murderous row every night, but you still want Harden to be happy, and that'll give you your best chance to have at least uh, some success in this league. So, what, did, what anything interesting come out of the the, the press conference, out, out of the Zoom conference that you uh, you just left? No, not, nothing really. I mean, you know, other than uh, you know, like I said the, the biggest thing was revelation is that he started his individual workouts uh, today. So he worked out with Lucas today individually, but Steven still really had you know no interaction with him. But he's but they seem hopeful, and they seem not not hopeful. They they seem like they're preparing for him to suit up and play next week at some point. So you know that's kind of where they're at, where they are. I mean, well let's period. let's, let's uh, cross our fingers and hope for the best uh, with that entire situation moving <laughs> forward. I want to ask you about some uh, some NFL stuff. The Texans, uh, real brief, because I'm we I mean, obviously they are not relevant in the league, but we are in Houston. A situation where a bad snap at the end of the game where it looks like the Texans would have went, you know, had a real good chance to get in the end zone, take the lead late, and maybe close that game out. And, of course, uh, Deshaun Watson was despondent. He was upset about that, and it hit him harder than I think most people anticipated. Uh, what do you think about what transpired last week or, or Sunday uh, with the, the Texans? What I would have liked to have seen, honestly, is I would have liked to have seen the the two biggest leaders on that team handled that a little bit better than what they did. And I, and that's both Deshaun and JJ Watt. I mean, you know, you, I don't know if you saw the look on JJ Watt's face after that. I mean, you know, and, and well, then, yeah, I don't, I don't fault, fault him for that per- because that was in the moment. That was almost like yeah. the, the uh, at the Super Bowl when Seattle didn't hand the ball off. Like that was the instantaneous, like your natural response. Man, man, he didn't have a chance yeah. to to buffer himself and prepare. Yeah, yeah. It just it looked like you know to me it was like the, the expression was typical, you know, and and that was it. And then then Deshaun, the quarterback, you just can't ever have that type of body language on the sideline. I'm sorry, you can't you can't be on the bench with your head down up under a towel. You are the leader. You're the face of this franchise. It happened. I mean, let's let's let's, let's be real. I mean, you know, this is you weren't really playing for anything last week anyway. So let's be real. I mean, there was a very faint chance of of, of opportunity right. for. But it, it, it would have required so much to go right. Well, I mean, if you you would need it, yeah. you would have needed like probably New Man. England to stumble a couple yeah. more times, which they yeah. they will. They probably <laughs> lose uh, tonight. But I, I think, I mean, if you turn around the Tennessee game and the Indy game where, where they really just blew 
the Tennessee game, and then they blew an opportunity to win this game. And you get those, and now it's a different season yeah, but, in the but, last four. You know, but, last four yeah, games. But you, you, you know what we say, brother, about if and the fifth I, was a fifth. We'd all be drunk, yeah. <laughs> We'd all be drunk, baby, you know? So, yeah, it is what it is. You know, and so, I mean, like I said, I can see, I, I, if they were playing for, like, first place in the in the, in the, in the conference or something, or something like that happened, maybe you, you deal with some of that. But, I mean, this is kind of par for the course for the season. I hate to say it. Yeah, and so for them, for, you know, So, Deshaun has to work on that. That's something that he needs to definitely look at and say, you know, I'm going to never let that happen again. If something happens on the field, you know, that we weren't expecting, that, that messes it up, I mean, I'm going to deal with it, but I'm going to run off, off that field, you know, and I'm going to try to keep my guys' heads up because we got to be ready not only for the next play but for the next game. I just don't know how you come back from that now. Well, I think, you know, going to Chicago against Mitchell Trubisky and a team that's frustrated just like the Texans, I think that's a good place to start. I mean, if you want to get well, that's a good place to get started where you have that direct comparison between Deshaun versus Trubisky. And, of course, Trubisky drafted before Deshaun, and and they have their own issues in Chicago. So this is a good place to go when things yeah. are bad for your team. What about your team, the Cleveland Browns? Man. I have been, been picking telling y'all. What have <laughs> I been telling y'all all season? We for real, man. And, and, and I knew it, but I'm going to tell you this. I, I can't, you know, I can't even sit here in front and tell y'all that I thought we were going to do what we did to Tennessee on Sunday. Never thought we'd do it like that. I thought we had a chance to win the game. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't see it coming like we put it together in that first half. I mean, that was just nothing short of impressive, but it is. It shows the kind of team that this that, that, that the Browns can be, and they're still growing. I mean, this is, these are still babies, man, still trying to figure it out. Well, what I, I thought, think- yeah, they I thought they figured out a, I mean, obviously the best formula to beat Tennessee is to make sure that Derrick Henry is not relevant. If you go down 30 points, you're not going to be running the ball 25 times uh, to Derrick Henry. So he doesn't have a chance to wear you down. I thought that they really exploited the defense. And I think, again, that's the thing that Tennessee has to worry about, getting behind early. And that way play action doesn't work for you because you, you can't run. I, I did, did wonder what happened in that second half, only three points in the second half. It kind of uh, got not close. I won't say it was close, but you know, the, well, cosmetically, it, it, it got it, close. It, it, it got uncomfortably close at the end because I felt like you know what what Stefanski did, which is what a lot of coaches made. May, you know, they he didn't want to blow it, and so he was trying to hold on, and he just felt like if he played, if he ran the football and played keep away, just you know, kept draining the clock, that you know that they would somehow come away from this. And keep in mind that the running game has been pretty dynamic and has been, you know, explosive. So I think he was hoping that maybe, you know, that they could rely more on that in the second half. Because when you look at the pass attempts in the second half, they just weren't there. So it was sort of like, you know, the Browns kind of took the mentality, let's let's hang on. Yeah, and, that, and, that I can, thought... and that can be dangerous in, the, in, the, in today's NFL because – Everybody's explosive. The same way you scored 35 in the first half, that other team could score 35 in the second half. Well, they scored back to back, you know, really quickly in, in that football game with the fumble recovery. And I thought the fact that they didn't get that last touchdown in the third quarter, it was kind of sort of late in the fourth when they got the got to 35 points. I thought had they gotten that score in the third quarter, that it would have made things a lot interesting because I, I want to say it was like seven, eight minutes left in the third quarter when they got to 28. And so, you know, I thought, hey, that was uh, – it got pretty interesting there for a minute. But they did it last week. Now you have to bounce back from a opening day loss to the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens look good against the Dallas Cowboys, but who doesn't well, these days? Who doesn't these days? But LaShawn, right. uh, but uh, Lamar Jackson looked great. Last time out, he was 20-25, 279 yards and three touchdowns versus the Browns in a 38-6 blowout week one. Now, these are two different teams now, totally two different teams. Totally, how do you, totally two different. How do you see Sunday's matchup? Well, I'm going to just remind folks of this. Last year, we were the first ones to hang one on, on Baltimore. So we can beat Baltimore. I mean, make no mistake about it. The, the circumstances are going to be completely different. I mean, you know, because now we're getting them, A, we're getting them in our house. Then B, 
we kind of know we know more about what we were doing like I, like I try to explain to people who will listen who are rational folks like when you look at the pittsburgh game and you look at, at the baltimore games you know these are tough games for these guys for a young team that was playing with his third coaching staff for three years okay and and with without the benefit of any preseason you know and you play again you play a team like baltimore that was you know bringing back everybody plus a dynamic quarterback uh, that, you know, nothing had changed for them. Everything was di- different for the Browns. And so it was, it was like, that was like their pre, they were playing their first preseason game while the, um, the Ravens were playing their, their fourth. I mean, you know, it was, it was that different, you know, they, they just, you know, they were at a different level, but now I think the Browns have caught up and, uh, and I think they have a chance. I mean, to, I think that you know they got the momentum, and this this game would be huge because this is that game where you really kick open the door to the playoffs. You don't wait because because the door is opening because you got two soft teams right in the middle there. After that, you got the Jets and then the Giants, but you know you got a chance to kick open the door with a with a, another statement game against a conference opponent, and and this game is important to the Browns because this is the difference between second place in the division and and third. You know, and it also or in the conference, in the conference, because look, if things go well, you know, you would need Pittsburgh to lose another game between now and then. But that last game of the season could be for the two seed because you would assume that the Kansas City uh, will maintain the top seed so that if they get past Baltimore and don't stumble against an increasingly really surprising New York Giants team, which can play defense. They can't. They don't know what they're doing on offense, but they can play defense. Right. Uh, but if uh, you know, you think okay, those are two wins between uh, uh, two New York teams, and then maybe that last game, maybe you'll have an opportunity if you can get back past Baltimore to uh, fight for the two seed. So you know, a lot to play for. It's a lot to play for. I mean, but I, I think that you know, honestly, I mean, as much as I, I I like fantasizing about that, I just don't see you would you would need. You would need Pittsburgh to lose to Cincinnati, and I think that's pretty close to impossible, uh, you know, to do. I mean, especially after they lost the game to Washington. So I don't know how realistic that is, but I mean, yeah. But the but the Browns still need you need statement games as you head into the postseason. You need to know that you can play against some of the top top opponents that you you may face. Again, and so beating beating the Baltimore, beating the Pittsburgh, I think would be huge. Yeah, this is a big um, big week in the in the AFC North. So let me ask yeah. you this: What are you writing about these days in the Houston Defender? This week, I mean, I actually spent some time talking with Bo Porter, the former Astros manager. That's about kind of what he's doing with you know with grassroots baseball and his organization, and uh, and you know he has a couple camps coming up uh, during the winter break, uh, you know, and um, so just. Took some time to, to talk with him and kind of spotlight what he's doing and you know in the community of how he's trying to make a difference uh, in, the, in these young baseball players. How can folks reach you on social media? Hey, come on, check me out at uh, Terrence Harris uh, on uh, on Twitter. Follow me. Say what's up. Don't just follow me. You know, talk to me. You know, let, let me know what you're thinking. Hey man, we certainly appreciate it, and uh, we'll have a lot more Cleveland Browns talk. It looks like. <laughs> hey man, you know I'm always up for that one. <laughs> hey man, we thank can talk you. all day. <laughs> certainly appreciate you, man. Yeah, man, anytime. Want to thank our guy Terrence Harris King T of the Houston Defender. We certainly appreciate visiting with him each and every week. Well, you know what? We had a, a nice guest. Let, let me let me give you a backstory. Let me tell you what has happened and what has transpired. I did a Lamont Award. But it's too it's too much. <laughs> I have to I have to pull back on the Lamont Award. It will air at a later date because it was it's just too much. It's too heated, and I needed to for this episode specifically. I needed to pull back. So no Lamont Award, even though it's a Lamont Award that you will hear. It's too much right now. I needed to take a deep breath and reassess this because it's it's just it's too hot. It's too much. 
I went too deep. And so, uh, no Lamont Award this time. I, also, real quick, I want to tell you the teams I'm picking for uh, who's going to have a good day. Pittsburgh over Buffalo. Baltimore over Cleveland. Indianapolis over Las Vegas. Arizona over Miami. And in my upset special, although I may pull back on this one, the Washington football team over San Francisco in my upset special. Although Antonio Gibson is not playing a running back, so that might change things a little bit. I also think Alex Smith is going to have a good day versus the team that drafted him number one. You talk about uh, the Washington football team quarterback over the 49ers. I think he'll have a good day. Lamar Jackson will have a good day. Deshaun Watson will have a good day. Calvin Ridley will have a good day. And I think that finally Kyler Murray again will have a good day after struggling a little bit. So with that, before I let go. Before I let go, want to wish a big-time happy birthday to my best friend, Haywood Jeffries, former NFL wide receiver. That's my dude. It's his birthday. Want to wish him a happy, happy birthday. Hopefully, he is uh, going to have another great, healthy year. Happy birthday to him, man. And one of these days, we'll tell some of the stories about what we've done over the last 30 years or so. So, yeah, my guy, Haywood, happy, happy birthday. And my man, Ray Miller. Ray Miller recently had a birthday. Want to make sure I wish him a big time happy, happy birthday. Hey, want to uh, thank Terrence Harris. Want to thank our sponsor, Cobank Holmes. Want to thank Kalina. Want to thank Texas Southern Head basketball coach, Johnny Jones. Want to thank you guys for tuning in. Want to remind you that you can hit us up at wagewordproductions.com. Subscribe to the email list call us at 832-941-6614 on the sports line or join the facebook sports talk devin way group and be a part of that and as always remember these four things Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.